Well, let me just say good morning. So good to see you all today. My name is Pastor Ernest Grant. I have the privilege and the honor of serving as a lead pastor here of Accelerate Church. And let me just say I'm so thankful for your presence today. Uh, how I like to describe Accelerate Church is we're an ethnic and economically diverse church on a quest to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. And so what that means is that each of us, in some way or another, is on a spiritual journey, and we believe it is our responsibility as a church to help you take that next step. So maybe that next step is you just showing up to church for the first time. Welcome to the cookout. We happy you here. You know, maybe you planned your visit today, or maybe you were just driving by, or maybe you were invited by a friend. Let me just be the first to say welcome home. We're so thankful for your presence today. And I hope that you notice that all the little details are taken care of. We even try to make sure that we get all the coffee and everything. We do that because we want you to feel at home here at ACTV. And so one of the ways that we would love to get acquainted with you is do us a favor and fill out that connect card on your seat. Give us as much information as you feel comfortable with, and we would love to get you connected to life at ACTV. And if you take that to our next steps in the back, uh, one of our concierges will take that and we'll get you a gift as a token of our appreciation for you being here today. And I think right now it's a $5 gift card to Starbucks. So we can at least help you with your Starbucks habit. Amen, somebody. And so, ACTV, why don't you do me a favor and put your hands together for all those who are joining us this morning. Man, I, I also want to let you know um, that we're in week two of something that we would call 21 days of prayer and of fasting. Prayer and fasting, this is a big time. Many, many of you already know what prayer is. You know that prayer is taking your, un, your, your concerns to God. It's taking the problems that are happening in your life and taking them to the problem solver. Uh, but I want to encourage you to combine that with fasting, if you will. Somebody say fasting. Fasting is temporarily abstaining for food for a period of time. Notice I said food, not social media, not shopping, not scrolling on Instagram, not saying any of those. Those things are good, but temporarily abstaining for food for a particular period of time so that you can gain something spiritual from God. And so I want to encourage you that whatever, whatever you're at today, maybe you're feeling a connection problem and you want to get connected with God, one of the best ways to do that is through fasting. It's letting go of something in our stomach so that we can get something we need into our souls. And so this year, we're, uh, this month, we are fasting about our finances. Amen, somebody. And we've been praying that God would help you to increase your savings, to decrease your debt, to increase your credit score, and a wide range of other things, because I genuinely believe, friends, that this can be your best financial year ever. I, I really believe that with some prayer, that God can do something in your finances. And when we turn up our Bible reading and our prayer, and we turn down the mainstream distractions like social media and streaming services, what we do is we create an environment for miracles to happen in our money. And so I believe that that's going to happen for us. Today And so that's why we're in this sermon collection called Simple Money, Rich Life. And I want to teach us through some principles of saving more, of earning more, giving more, and ultimately enjoying more. But before I do that, why don't you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your sweet, your benevolent love, kindness towards us. Lord, Lord, I'm cognizant and aware that when we do this on a regular basis, it can become common to us. But I thank you that it never gets old. It never gets old to see people who are far from Jesus drawn to you. It never gets old to see people experience breakthrough. And I pray, Lord, that this sermon, for those joining us online and in person, that it would cause a breakthrough in their lives. 
They will experience God in a way in their finances and in their life that they never imagined before. For Lord, we call to you and we love you, Lord. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, why don't you say amen? Amen. If I asked you over a coffee, or if we sat down together over a dinner, what was the one thing about saving money that you desire most, you would probably say that you want to save and invest for your financial future without jeopardizing your present. You, you would probably say that you want to save but not have the fear that saving today will put you in a bad financial place tomorrow or the other way around. That saving for tomorrow won't put you in a bad financial place today. And given that 70% of people are struggling to believe that they have enough money for retirement and another 60% of people believe that they don't have enough for the end of the week, it stands to reason that we all want to be financially free. We all desire to save for the future, to invest in our Roth IRAs, to, be a, to contribute to our 401ks, but we're having a hard time in the present. And I want to say that if that's you today, I want you to know that you're not alone. I, I know that some of you have tried every budgeting strategy possible. You, you, you've gotten online, you followed the gurus online, and you at this point, nothing has been working for you. And at this point, you're just like, yo, maybe I should just give up on this because I'm feeling exhausted. I'm, I'm feeling weary from trying to save all this money, and it's simply just not working out. Here's what I'm saying is you're not alone, friends, because that's a big issue that's happening in America worldwide. The, the, most Americans, half of the country has less than $1,000 in savings. Four out of 10 of them are, low, are high income earners, over $100,000. So if you're feeling stuck today, I want you to know, friends, that you are not alone. But you might be asking, Pastor, okay, I, I get that, but what do I do about this issue? What, what, what do I do? Well, well, I want you to know that here at ACTV, we describe this as an ethnically diverse church with people from uh, different races and culture and classes, but we also describe it as an economically diverse church. And so what that means is that we have people on the financial pendulum. On one end, we have some hot mid, middle to high income earners, some in which who are very, very financially responsible. Some of my income earners in here are, let's just be honest, you're like me, you're a recovering cheapskate. I'm not recovering though, I'm still, I'm still that way. But some of us are like tight, are, are, are trying to be tight with our finance, but some other people who are high income earners are struggling to budget right now. Some of them are struggling to fight the urge to spend copiously on foods and vacations and live a lavish life. Others of us are struggling because we're living above our means and spending 105% of our income. That's on one pendulum. But then I have another one on the other side who would describe themselves as low to middle income earners who are saying, Pastor, I'm not out there taking lavish trips. I, I, I want to go to Bali. I want to go to Indonesia. I want to even travel to the Caribbean, but I can't do it right now because of the, the rising cost of inflation, because of the rising cost and the wage stagnation, and they want to pay me $30,000 even though I got a master's. They want to pay me less because they have all of this AI going down and, and robots taking my job, and I feel like I'm struggling right now. Well, let me just, th those are the pendulums, so let me spend a little moment talking to the latter.
Those who feel like, Pastor, I'm pinching pennies right now. I'm budgeting, I'm saving, and it's just not working. I'm even going into debt because I'm swiping my credit card to cover groceries. I'm not even eating at Whole Foods. I'm eating at the dollar store and Walmart and Aldi's. I don't even know what, I don't even know the name brand stuff. I just buy regular stuff. Let me just say this. I want to encourage you. That's you if you're struggling with your finances. We got empathy here for you. And in fact, we want to invest in your leadership. So we have seven books left because the first church, the first service took all the books. But we have seven books left called Simple Money, Rich Life that'll help you with your financial principles. Please don't fight over them, but we want to give them to you as a gift from us. That's number one. Number two, I want you to know that next week I'm preaching a sermon called Earn All You Can. So I'm going to give you some tips and some tricks that you can apply, though, you can, they're, though they're broad principles that you can apply in order to help you make more money. Maybe, maybe this is just coming to mind now, but maybe it's time for you, some of you to switch to another job. Maybe you've been taken advantage of at that job for far too long. You're underappreciated, you're undervalued, and you're overworked. But because you're comfortable, you won't take the next step and further your career. Maybe it's time for you. Maybe that's you today. But for the rest of us, come on back next week and I'm going to help you. But, 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 but maybe you're struggling right now with your finances and, and, and you're, you've come in here today and you're a little bit discouraged. Let, let me just remind you of the words of Jesus for a second. Right. Do you remember in Matthew 6, he took a group of his disciples and he said, I want you to, he said, look, look at those lilies of the valley. Look at the daffodils. Look at the dandelions. I want you to know that all of these horticulture, all these plants right here, they're more adorned than even the best king during that time whose name was Solomon. And he's like, if, if I care about the lilies of the field and the daffodils, and if I care about the daisies, and you're a hundred an infinitely more valuable to me, don't you think if I provide for them, I'll provide for you? He, he's starting an argument from lesser to greater. He's saying, if I care about the lesser thing, surely I care about the greater thing, which is you. But that's not it. He says, I want you to look at the albatrosses, and I, and I want you to look at the birds and the doves that are flying in the air. I've never seen a bird with a bag of groceries. I've never seen that. It's because they know that if they just get off the tree and that they fly, that God somehow will supernaturally provide for them. Here's what I want to let you know. If you are more important to God than the daisies and the lilies and the dandelions and the albatrosses and the doves and the herring and all of these other animals, surely God will provide for you. You come back next week and I'll teach you a little bit more. But today, I want to talk to those, if you will. Who are trying to figure out this next step in their spiritual journey and I want to help you today hopefully this doesn't sound heavy-handed but I but I just want to encourage you this season everybody typically pastors start out a series or they start out a year and they declare a prophetic word over you what it is is they spent time with God and they're saying this is what I believe God wants for you and here's what I'm saying to you I don't know if I got a prophetic word, but I know I got a biblical word. Is that in this season, what God wants for you is for you to take control of your spending habits. That God will not bless you with more unless you're a good steward of what you currently have. I know we're looking for something prophetic. I know some of us, we want to shout, we want to be happy about here. Here's the thing. What you need in this season is discipline. You don't need a word. You need a budget. You don't need me to come up here. You need to follow the principles 
that you already have. That in this season, that it is time for you to get a hold of your spending. And here's the thing. I want you to take responsibility for your spending habits. Now, I know I get it. I get it, friends. There are some external factors, are there not? That there are some of you have been affected by high interest loans and payday loans and, and things like that. You've been affected because, you know, you, you, you spent it. You didn't know. You didn't know that you were going to be paying for your student loan for nearly a lifetime. And it didn't seem right at 18 when they had you take out that parent plus loan and it's been impacting your life. There are some external factors. But the truth is, if we are honest about our financial situation, that some of us have gotten ourselves into the financial pinch that we're in because of poor mismanagement. And I know that ain't popular. And I know they're probably clicking off on YouTube right now. It's okay. Here's what I want you to know. You swiped the card. You swiped the card. You took out the loan. You made that. You did that. And I, and I, and I wanted to let you know that pointing the finger at someone else or simply at an external source is not going to change your financial future. But here's... The beautiful thing is that though you may have made some financial blunders, there is still the grace of God and the gospel that can still be applied to your situation. Because I don't know about you, when I look at that bank account and it's empty or it's low, it makes me feel like a personal failure, doesn't it? It feels like a personal indictment against us. It can cause us, if we're honest, to feel like God isn't with us. He's blessing other people. He's not blessing us. It can weigh down our soul. It can give us a sense of inadequacy. But let me just tell you, when you feel inadequate about your finances, there is an alternative to self-loathing. And that alternative is turning your attention to Christ and him crucified. The crucified Savior. Turn your attention. Now, Pastor, why would I do it? Well, because on the cross, Jesus just didn't experience physical pain, but he also experienced humiliating shame, which is the issue that many of us feel like when we make bad decisions. They spit on Jesus. That didn't physically hurt him. That humiliated him. They, they mocked Jesus. Here he is, the light of the world, to bring, to bring light to the darkness of the world, dying under the shroud of darkness. And they said, if you are the son of God, why don't you come down? They mocked him. That was embarrassing. On top of that, they physically assaulted him. They ridiculed him. It was deplorable. It was despicable. It was decrepit. But friends, when you think about Christ on the cross, realize that he experienced your humiliation. He died for your shame. He died for the guilt that you feel over your sin, but he also died for the shame which makes you overall feel bad. He removes that as well. So here's what I want you to know is that the gospel is real and powerful, not just because Christ came and he settled my eternity, but because he deals with the guilt, the remorse, and the shame that I feel about what I'm going through in my present. And that includes your financial resources. Jesus was shackled with guilt and bombarded with humili humiliation on the cross so that you and I could be free from it. Oh, y'all ain't, ain't, ain't catch that. It's okay. He freed us from that. So let me just say this. And if Jesus could take that ugly situation and then be buried in a borrowed tomb for a weekend, and then get up and that be the impetus for our salvation. 
If he could take that ugly situation like a crown of thorns, nail-pierced hands, impaled side, lacerated back, pierced feet. If he could take that ugly situation and him being in the grave and he could turn it around and become the light of the world that saves men, surely he can save you and your financial situation. That's what the gospel is for. Jesus just doesn't want you to make it to heaven. He wants you to have peace and shalom on earth. Doesn't mean you're going to not suffer, but what it does mean is that when you feel guilty about your financial choices and your indecisions, that there's enough gospel for that. The blood of Jesus still reaches to the highest mountain. It still reaches to the lowest valley of guilt and humiliation. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, I don't know how it works, but this red blood somehow makes us white as snow so that we can not only stand before God's presence with purity, but also know that he's removed the shame that exists with us. So friends, this is what the gospel does. Now, some of you are like... (laughs) Pastor, this sounds good. You're right. I do fear, feel some shame about how I've spent money. But um, I know you're preaching about saving all that you can today, and praise God for that. But um, in the words of my mother, money doesn't grow on trees. So where in the world is all of this extra money and savings that you're talking about going to come? Because quite frankly... It feels a little far-fetched given my personal situation right now. But let me just suggest to you, let me start with this. I want you to consider this, that saving all you can begins with reducing what you spend. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Write it down if you want to. Saving all you can begins with reducing what you spend. See, this pushes up against the idea that many of us believe that my issue with money could be solved if I just made more money. And and I will agree that that is probably the the case for a majority group of people in the world. It it, it can be a possibility because of rising costs, because of inflation, because of the stagnation of, of, of income. Like, I get that, right? But for a lot of us in the building, we could save more if we just stopped spending more. We could just stop if, if we did. If we if we stop eating at Uber Eats as much, if we cook groceries instead of treating ourselves and eating out. All of that food that you eat out anyway is filled with sodium and preservatives. It's not helping you achieve your fitness goals like you want to hit anyway. My, My fear for many of us, it's not that you don't make enough money, that, that's the case for some of us, but for a lot of us, it's not that you don't make any money, make enough money, it's that, here it is, You lack self-restraint. I know that's a hard word for some of us. But you are not exhibiting self-discipline. Because discipline is just not being punished for something you do wrong. Discipline is training yourself to say no right now so that you can get that thing that you really want later. That's what discipline is. Paul said that I train my body, I beat my body into submission so that I can achieve the higher calling in Jesus. In other words, I say no to what I want now so that I can get what I really need later. 
I say no to my hungers and wants now so that I can get that house or that car that I can afford later. It's, it's having the self-discipline to not copiously spin, but rather say, I'm going to use self-restraint. It's self-discipline, friends, that many of us in this season just need. This is what Solomon says. This is what Solomon says. In Proverbs 21, verse 20, he says, a wise person stores up the best food and oil, but a foolish people eat up everything that they have. Do you see that? What he's saying, friends, is that diligence and self-restraint is a natural characteristic of wise people. So because of that, it naturally allows them to accumulate wealth. But foolish people copiously spend money they don't have to impress people they don't know and they don't like. Therefore, it becomes an issue from them accumulating the money like the wealthy person would. Does that make sense? So the question is, is, is many of us are at a crossroads right now because you've been praying for more and you've been praying for increase, but you may not have the corresponding self-restraint to handle the increase that you've been praying for. And so my question is, is are you going to be a wise person and learn to develop some self-discipline or will you be foolish and continue to live paycheck to paycheck, not because you don't have the money, but because you won't curb your spending? I'm assuming you want to be wise, right? I tried a dramatic pause on that one. But let me give you six things to prioritize this year, okay? Get your, get your phones out. Uh, write this down. If you're in the first service, act like you're writing it down. Here it is. Let me give you six things to prioritize this year. Here's the first one. Never the 100 rule. Never the 100 rule. Never spend 100% of your earnings. Now, I know that this goes without saying. You can leave that slide up for the folks. I, I know that this goes without saying. I know that it does. Never the 100 rule. Never spend 100% of your earnings. Again, I know this goes without saying, but I think that this speaks to the belief that if I had more money, it would solve my financial problems. But let me just, can I just tell you something? If you can't curb your spending at 30K, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to curb it at 430 million. Where did I get that 430 million from? Well, that was Mike Tyson's lifetime earnings as a boxer. He spent every penny of his money and had to file for bankruptcy in 2003. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's just an anomaly. Well, CNBC did a study and they said that NBA players on average make $7.5 million a year. NBA players or NFL players make $2.7 million a year. 75% of them are, have experienced financial strain after five years, and 60% of them are broke after two years. This is not to indict professional athletes, but it does speak to the issue that just because you get more money, it doesn't mean it's going to solve your problems because if you can't curb your spending at a lower tax bracket, you're not going to be able to curb spend it at, another, at a higher one. Preach earnest, Grant. And here's why. It's because when we get more money, we think it's extra money.
I'm trying to be serious today. It's play money. It's go out money. It's outfit money. New clothes money. New shoes money. Eat out money. Somebody yell something else out. Vacation money. Give me something else. Somebody else. Electronic. Hair done money. Come on. Hair done. Teeth. Did you say teeth? Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been trying. Nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of us assigning money to the place it should go, we allow it to overcome us. You tell your money where it goes. But the problem is, is that when your money comes up, your lifestyle comes up as well. You buy a new gadget. Let's just be honest. A new wardrobe, a new car, all of these things. And then you get all these things. They don't bring the happiness that they once promised. And then they leave you feeling discouraged. It's because now here's I'm, I'm praying, friends, that God would bless you with more and that he would give you better. But here's the thing. I'm afraid that if you don't have the corresponding spending habits, that you're going to eat up your increase. And this pushes back against this whole idea that you need more money in order to be fi- financially stable. That we have seven books of that book, uh, Simple Money, Rich Life in the back. And in there, there's, a, there's an example of a dude named Ronald who was a janitor, who was a gas station attendant. But he didn't allow, he didn't allow himself to experience financial anxiety because he financially saved over time. And he ended up amassing $8 million over his life, most of which he gave away. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, that feels like an anomaly. No, it's not an anomaly. Do you know that a recent study of 10,000 millionaires, they found out that the, the number one career for a millionaire was a teacher? Name a career where people are underpaid better, more than that. Social workers, right? So, so here's the thing. Uh, they, they, they have teachers are millionaires. They have accountants that are millionaires. Attorneys are millionaires. You don't have to make an exorbitant salary in order to accumulate wealth. But what you do have to do is you have to curb your spending. Does that make sense, friends? So let me give you the second one. The first one is naturally you got to curb your spending. But here's the second one is you got to keep score. Keep score. Pay attention to what you are spending. In 2005, three songwriters got together and they penned a song that was called Jesus Take the Wheel. It was a song that was sang by Carrie Underwood in 2005 that charted and stayed on the chart some 15 weeks. It's a great song, but the problem is, is some of us approach our finances like that. As we say, Jesus, take the wheel of these finances. And then what do we do? Quote some obscure scripture, because I'm the head and not the tail, Jesus. You said that I'm above and not beneath. You said that you would give me more, press down, shaking together, spilling on my lap. You said that, Jesus. So you take control of these finances. You work it out according to you want, the way you want it. Jesus is like, no, that's not how this operates. Because when I put Adam in the garden, I gave him something called agency. Jesus didn't take the wheel in the garden. He gave Adam the agency to manage it and to be a steward of it. Salvation would not have occurred unless Jesus, who was the second Adam, managed people and managed to make his way to the cross of Calvary. So what God has given you is agency. 
the ability to manage money. And when you just try to leave it to God, what ends up happening is you abdicate your responsibility. But you are responsible to oversee the money that Jesus has provided to you. You need to know a few things. Where's the money going? In some of your instances, who's it going to? I've got some adult people in here taking care of adult kids where you need to let them go out and get a job. Let me know. That's not in my notes. I just figured I'd say that to you. I said, I figured I'd say that. That's for free. Is it going to your needs or going to your wants? Are you spending money on appreciating goods or depreciating goods? Is it, is it impulsive spending? Are you using a financial management software? I know Mint has gone. There's a bunch of other ones that you can choose from. But are you managing your money God's way? Do you even have a spreadsheet, friends? You got to know where the money's going. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 27, verse 23 and 24. He says, know well the condition of your flock. Somebody say your flock. And give attention to your herd, for your riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not into agriculture. I'm allergic to dogs and sheep. I couldn't imagine having to deal with a sheep. What would you even do with it? Put it in the backyard? Some of y'all would just eat it. You'd be like, that's from the Lord Jesus. We're going to roast that thing over some charcoal. I'm from Nigeria. We're just going to charcoal. That's what my wife would say. She'd be like, take that thing to the butcher, let's eat it. But anyway, it's like, nah, I'm a vegan. Nah, I'm just playing. Just playing. Nah, just playing. I'm lying. I just lied. Sorry. I don't even remember what I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we're not into agriculture. But here's the thing. I think that that principle from that text still applies, doesn't it? That you still have to manage and know where your finances are going. Like, we, it doesn't have to make a leap. S- financial success requires that you pay attention to what's going in and what's going out. So I want to encourage some of you this week that you just need to write down what you spend money on. Every time you spend a dollar, I want you to write it down. Some of you just need to do it in order to curb your spending so you will know where it's going and stop allowing your money to rule you and you rule your money. Here's the third one. Know your AUM. Know your AUM. This stands for Assets Under Management. I've been, Sarah and I have been trying to teach our children about financial literacy. So after we teach them the Jesus Storybook Bible, I bought these little financial literacy cards. Because I'm like, every time you go to CVS, you can't get a toy. But if you do want to get a toy, I need you to understand whether this is an asset or a liability. You need to understand what this product is. Is it an asset that's appreciating? Is it a depreciating asset? Or is it a liability that's costing you money, right? And so what happens is, is many of us don't have a full picture of our assets under control. Because at the end of the month, what we do is we, ca- we kind of look at our bank accounts, we look at the credit card statement, and we're like, yo, it looks like I got it together. But what we should really do is we should, con- we should calculate all of our assets, our homes, our cars, our savings, our retirement, our heirlooms, and our crypto, et cetera. Crypto's on the way up, praise God, But because I put a lot of money into it but, and lost a lot of money for a year. Just coming back. And we should take all of that and subtract that by something called our liability. Somebody say liabilities. Liabilities are your debts, your car loans, your mortgages, your student loans. And then when you subtract the two of those, it may come out negative, but it gives you a better idea of your financial picture. 
And so what you're doing now at that point is you're fighting to get out of the negative, but that helps give you a picture on where you are. Does that make sense, friends? Here's the second one. Here's the fourth one, rather. Automate and adjust. Automate and adjust. Here's one thing that I learned about financially successful people. They are trying to remove willpower from the equation. Because when you remove willpower from the equation, it's one less thing that you have to remember. So what they do, many of them, is when it comes to paying their bills, they do it on auto pay. Right? That's one less thing you have to worry. You shouldn't have to worry about PSE&G every week or every month. You shouldn't have to worry about your rent or your mortgage every month. Those are things, especially if you have the financial wherewithal to do, that you can automate. Another thing is, is when we bring our first and our best to God through our tithes and our offering, the reason that we encourage some of us to put it on recurring is so you not only will you not get behind, but you will also make sure that it's something that's happening that you don't have to think about. Right, like, like I, know, I know some of us like to go out to eat, right? We like to go out to eat and we often get leftovers, right? You get those leftovers. You don't give those leftovers to people. Why? Because they've been picked over. They've been picked over. Like, like if you gave leftovers, well, well, some of your kids probably eat the leftovers of your spouses. I mean, but I'm saying you wouldn't give that to somebody outside of your household pre-adventure, right? Because what it communicates is that that person is not worth you making a meal for them or giving them something good. And so what happens with Jesus is the reason that we give to the local church, it's not because the church is broke. It's not because we're begging for money. I don't have, we don't have no $20 offering lines. We don't do that. We, we don't get down like that. But what we are saying is that you bring your first and best to God because he's bringing his first and best to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus, God did not offer one of the angels to die on the cross for us. He didn't say, hey, take one of the seraphim or take one of the angelic hosts. No, no. He said, I want you to take my first and my best, who is Christ Jesus, incarnate God in the flesh, and we're going to offer him on the cross for you to take care and deal with your biggest issue, which is the sin that keeps a chasm between you and I. And so because of that, I give God my first and my best because I'm grateful for what he has accomplished for me. That's what it happens, friends. We live so tight-fisted in life with our money and don't want to give the local churches oftentimes, but I'm just letting you know that when you give to a local church, you give through a local church so that we can make sure that young ladies from young lives have more than enough so that we can invest in our youth in the back so we can have youth nights and invest in our teams and do things in Cherry Hill and Camden and ultimately Accelerate City, which we call the Delaware Valley region. But that starts when we take what we have, not giving God our leftovers, not tipping him, but saying, God, you deserve the first and best, and I'm going to offer it to you. And so I say all that to say that that's why we automated at times. And if your financial situation changes, then what you can do is you can adjust it. Somebody say adjust it. Now, let's talk, to the, let's talk about the one that you really want to talk about. Number five. How do, you, how do you save more money? Spend smarter. Spend smarter. Many of us, we, what we have to do is we have to invest our money and spend our money in things that are appreciating, not depreciating. Now, I know that you guys are very intelligent, but I'm going to just kind of talk to you about this anyway. You know that new TV that you want? 85-inch. Maybe that's me. 60 inch. It's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. You, you want to hang out in your living room and invite people over and watch the Eagles win the Super Bowl with it, right? Yeah, let, me not, let me not go down this road. And even though it's great, it's a depreciating asset. I, I, I know that you want to ride around in the nice car, but it's a depreciating asset. And what happens is, is we spend a lot of our money on things that are depreciating assets. That's what we do, friends. We spend money on iPhones and clothes and sneakers. Well, well, sneakers. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody hold on. Let me feel. Hold on. Hold on. Number one. If you budget for it, it's fine. That's, the, that's number one. Since y'all put me on trial. I said I wasn't going to say this at the second service. I said it, and I said it anyway. Number one, if you budget for it, it's fine. Number two, there is a case to be made that reselling sneakers can be sold at a higher number. Amen, sneakerheads. Have my back, sneakerheads. Have my back. So that means that if you buy sneakers today, they can be resold at a premium later on. Amen, sneakerheads. Also, I'm going to be honest with you. For me, it is a way of attracting people that are far from God. Now, I'm not, let's just, just listen, don't come. Hey, hey, just hey, stop, stop. I'm being serious. I'm being serious for a second. Listen, listen, I, I, I'm honest with you. I will wear a robe and grow my hair out on the side and call myself Reverend Dr. Ernest Cleo Grant if I felt like it was the appropriate thing to do in this season to reach people far from Jesus. But we've got a lot of people in this church that saw me wear sneakers the first day and dressed like this the first day and said, hey, I'm interested in hearing what he has to say just because of the garb that he has on. I got two in the front row right here. I got, I got witnesses. I got witnesses. But this ain't about me. This ain't about me. Let's talk about y'all for a second. Because y'all criticize me for sneakers. What about them depreciating cars that you have? Now, listen, I get it that cars are an important thing, right? You got to get back and forth. It's expensive to do it on Uber and, and, all, and Lyft and all those things. I get it. But my fear is that many of us are driving around in cars that we really can't afford. Can't afford them. Because when you bought them initially, you didn't think about the total cost of that car. You didn't think about it. You thought about the initial cost. You didn't think about something called fuel and maintenance and depreciation and taxes and fees and parking and toll. And I know this doesn't apply to everybody in here because you may not be able to do this financially just yet. But my hope is that eventually you will get down to where, where you spend 10% of your income or less in a month on your transportation. That's what theorists said. I know that that's not necessarily something we can do right now, but my hope and my prayer is that many of us will be able to do that in time. And here's, a, here's the last one. I'm done on this. Kill debt and credit cards. Here's the thing, friends. Borrowing leads to obligation. That's indisputable, isn't it? On top of that, Paul says in Romans 13, verse 8, he says, Owe no man anything but love. So debt doesn't have to be a normal part of our life, but I understand some of us in here are like, well, pastor, I have some bad debt, but I'm trying to leverage my good debt and all that. I understand that there's some different ways and philosophies around that. 
and I don't intend to argue with you about it, but this is what I would say. If you don't have any money in your savings, if you don't have an adequate nest egg, and if you haven't curbed your savings or curbed your spending, then all debt should be viewed as bad debt. Does that make sense? All of it. And what we should do is we should ruthlessly deal with this. This is how we can deal with some of the debt in our lives. You can look this up. It's called the snowball method. Snowball method. Pay the minimum balance on all your debts except the smallest one. Pay as much on that debt as possible. And after you've paid that off, you go to the next one. And you go to the next one. And you go to the next one. There's a different other, there's a lot of other approaches, but I think this is one of the more simple ones. You can look it up online. But here's the thing, friends. I promise you that if you apply some of these principles, you're going to have the best financial year of your life. Now, you might be listening today, and maybe you're deconstructing. Maybe every time you've heard a sermon about money, the pastor was twisting your arm to get some finances. Listen, that's not what we intend to be. Or or maybe you're skeptical about the Christian faith, but here's the thing. I want to let you know that despite maybe a difference in our religious belief, friends, that we both share a common humanity. And that common humanity is no one wants to experience financial anxiety or be shackled to credit card debt or be shackled to massive debt. And I believe as a Christian that it's actually antithetical to the abundant life that God the Father has for us through Jesus Christ. Because what God wants to do is not only have vertical peace with him that he paid for with his own blood, but he also wants us to have horizontal peace one with another. And if Jesus was willing to bankrupt, or God the Father was willing to bankrupt heaven and take God's atoning sacrifice to the Father and fresh 100 bills, $1 bills, and cover the cost of our salvation, surely he can free us from credit card debt. Surely he can free us from the anxiety and stress that we have with our finances. But I think it requires in us for this season, friends, so we've got to make sure that we curb our spending. We've got to take responsibility over it. And if you're pinching pennies right now, I want you to come back next week because I'm going to preach a sermon on how you can earn more money. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks. But maybe the best thing you can do today is you can come to Jesus. Maybe that's your best next step. So whether whoever you are, wherever you are, I want you to know Jesus bids you to come. Come experience wholeness and refreshment and joy of knowing that not only is your eternal destiny settled and taken care of, but God cares about you in a way that you can't even imagine or think so much so that he was willing to experience the cross on your behalf. Here's how we do it at Accelerate Church. If you're interested in taking that next step with Jesus, fill out that connect card, and there's a, there's a check on there that says, hey, I just want the Lord. I want him. I, I want to let go of my old way of, and lifestyle, and I want to pursue you, God, long term, and you do that will help, take you, help you take your next step so that you can experience wholeness in Christ. Why don't you bow your head and let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Spirit, Lord, we come to you. Lord, I just pray for all those experiencing financial pressure and anxiety revolving around their money right now. 
Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would bring forth healing, that you would help us to automate, that you would help us to not spend all of our cash, that you would help us to have a, a great budget and to do debt snowballs and do what we need to do to get out of the mountain of debt that some of us find ourselves in. Lord, I pray for endurance and hope for those who have been at this a long time and are struggling. Lord, I pray that you would give them encouragement and hope and let them know, Lord, you haven't forgotten about them and that oftentimes the blessing is on the other side of our diligent work bless them lord jesus now i pray that all those who are here that know they need to hear your voice or or, or heed to your voice will take a next step in their christian journey and so lord we love you and we honor you in jesus name and if you agree with that why don't you say amen amen you can put your hands together